Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us yet again today for another episode. And we're going to be diving into a topic that we've only covered just briefly thus far on the Boca Podcast, and that is how to build a photography community. And I'm here with my new friend, Latoya Dixon. Thank you so much, Latoya, for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners. No problem, Nathan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, and and I have to say, in kind of preparation for our conversation um, I, I was browsing around a little bit on Facebook yesterday, and I saw this absolutely beautiful video of you and your family. Um, I and you know, there, you you see all kinds of pictures and all kinds of video just naturally being in a in a photography industry. But I was particularly drawn to this video that you just posted to Facebook. What what was the uh, the occasion for the video? Yeah. So my family and I just recently posted a video announcement that we will be growing to a family of four instead of three. Now we are expecting another little one and I'm due actually on Christmas day. So no way. that's cool. Yeah. It'll be quite the, quite the interesting uh, holiday season, but we're really excited. Both my husband and I, and of course our, our soon to be six year old Kent, he is ecstatic about being a big brother. Well, you guys are absolutely beautiful. And I know I was commenting on this to you before we started recording, but just absolutely stunning family. And you and your husband, your husband's name is Lee, is that right? Yes, Lee. You and your husband have this seem to have this incredible chemistry together. And I'm kind of going out of order and, um, <laughs> like we normally do with the podcast. But tell us a little bit about how you guys met because your, your chemistry just seems incredible. Yeah. So Lee and I actually um, met each other in high school. But we weren't, you know, we we're not high school sweethearts or anything. We didn't date in high school. We just knew each other. Uh, we both played soccer, which was pretty, pretty cool. Best, best sport in the world, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we just remained friends after high school. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college, and he's uh, two years older than me, my sophomore year of college, we reconnected as friends again. And just started hanging out more, going to more soccer games together and other sporting events and, you know, just just really enjoying each other's company. And then we just <laughs> soon found ourselves, you know, wanting to learn more about each other and just got closer. And that's when we started dating. But, yeah, our chemistry, uh, a lot of people um, comment on that. And I think it's because we are both pretty self-reflective. And we one of the things that we do a lot is we, we talk a lot and mm. We always make sure that we are in alignment with each other and kind of what we're going through, like what our needs are. That was something we, we, we really appreciated about our premarital counseling experiences, just really learning how to, to communicate with each other. And that's huge for us. And I think what you saw in the video really showed that. So it's not just, you know, the verbal communication, but even just, you know, our chemistry, just being in each other's presence as something we really value. And I think it a lot of people have remarked on it, but I think it comes from us just really being in tune with ourselves and and being able to communicate effectively. And, and communication, I mean, it, it sounds almost cliche to talk about it, but the reality is yeah. like communication is at the root of a good relationship. And as, as somebody who's been in various relationships over the years, it's been interesting to observe how a lot of couples... It, it seems like they just kind of, I mean, you might, you might be able to say they get lazy. I mean, we all get lazy in one form or another, but it's, it's almost like they just kind of forget the reality, which is that we have to be proactive in our effort at communication and really any relationship in order to, to build that relationship, in order for that relationship to be strong. Um, but absolutely that, that chemistry that you guys have is just, I, I mean, it, again, it shines through. I don't think we've had the opportunity to meet in person yet, but what, what I can see it through images and the video is just really beautiful. And by the way, for those of you listening in, we're going to be talking about a, a community that Latoya started. We're going to get into details of that here in just a little bit, but Latoya is also a photographer. And if you go to Latoya Dixon, 
uh, that's L-A-T-O-Y-A-D-I-X-O-N.com and go to the about section of her site there. Um, scroll down just a little bit and there are these beautiful um, kind of eclectic wedding images of Latoya and Lee that you can you can check out there. Really, really lovely as well. So thanks for sharing a little bit of that backstory. By the way, I have to ask you, did you play soccer into college as well? So I I played club soccer in college, but yeah. I... I <laughs> I went to school for engineering and so it was going to be really difficult for me to do both. So I just decided to, you know, just keep it uh, recreational. Sure. But we actually did play soccer in college and we both miss it a lot. Like we still want to get back out there and absolutely into it. But now nowadays we're all focused on Kent's extracurriculars because he's involved in Taekwondo and this is the first year of school. So this past year has been quite a tr- the transition and it's only going to get even more fun for us as yep. we welcome a new baby into the mix. But yeah, soccer is a big part of our lives. And I think, you know, that was kind of the, the catalyst that kind of connected us because we had that shared interest. But we learned that there were a lot more things that we had in common besides the sport. Yeah, well, it's always nice to have that that one thing that kind of draws you together, and then you have the opportunity over time to kind of learn more about each other and things that you can relate on and even grow together in. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing about relationships. But you mentioned the the dynamic of family life, and, and this is really a beautiful segue into my first question, one that we very commonly ask here at the podcast, which is about how you create time for yourself. I'm curious now with one child and then, of course, another one on the way and being a business owner and, and somebody who's leading a community of photographers, how do you create time for yourself and for your family? That's an excellent question. And one that I've been thinking about so much uh, since we got the news or at least confirmed the news that we were expecting. Yeah. But I would say that, yes, time is something we all wish we had more of. And as business owners, we're always trying to figure out how we can um, maximize the use of the time that we do have, given the other things that are going on in our life. One of the things that I've done in the past year, especially, I had to invest in a coach who was able to help me figure out how am am I utilizing my time? Like, Mm. where am I spending my time? What am I doing with it? Are the things that I'm spending my time on actually helping me in my business? Um, Because it's so hard, I think, to see that when you, you know you have this long laundry list of things that you need to do, but you're not necessarily sure like in what order you need to do them, how much time you're spending on it. So I invested in a coach to kind of help me create a schedule to not only a, a work schedule, but um, my calendar, it prioritizes, you know, what time I wake up, the time that I'm spending getting Kent ready for school and and feeding him breakfast and the time that we go to Taekwondo. And even sometimes there are things on the weekend. So just having a, a system that, that kind of keeps me focused because one of the things that I found was whenever I did get overwhelmed, I get, I got distracted Yeah, yeah. wasting time doing things that I had no business to be doing, whether it's, you know, mindlessly on social media, looking at other things, or I don't know, just, just things that weren't productive at all. Sure. And so having a, a schedule, you know, I, sometimes I, I veer away from it, but at least that I, I have a, a structure that I can kind yes. of go back to and 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 stay in track and in line with what what I need to do to be successful in my business. That's helped me the most, and not only has it helped me with my business, but I've also you know prioritized the time that I'm spending with with my family. Um, I talked about earlier about how Lee and I make time for each other and to talk, and sometimes you know. I, I, we mess up and we forget that we do need to prioritize each other in that time where we just sit there and talk and not just when we're uh, a family of three and we're all maybe in the living room watching a Superman movie or something, (laughs) you know, just having that adult time and, and just kind of getting back to, you know, where we started as a couple, um, that is super key for, for us. Um, but I think one Again, the thing that really helped me um, was investing in that coach who helped me sh- help me figure out what my schedule looks like and where I'm spending my time the most. Because I learned through that experience that 
I actually had more time than I, I thought I did. Yeah. And it, it was almost like magic. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did you give me back like <laughs> five more hours of my week? Yep. You know, where I don't even know what I should be doing in those five hours, but I have them. So <laughs> here they are. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Well, worst case scenario, I mean, you actually have five extra hours that you could spend with your family or even yeah. just to sit and be, you know, like I'm, I, I'm, I've been in a kind of a stage in my life as of the last month or two in particular, where I'm just, just going a hundred miles an hour and, and very purposefully. I mean, I have, I have certain goals, certain ideas that I'm focusing on at this point and, and not just one business, but ultimately multiple businesses. But what I'm realizing, and I was thinking about this, I guess, even today is the importance of just making sure that even, you know, for five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes that I'm sitting down and just breathing, maybe meditating a little bit and just taking time to just be. And if you've got an additional, you know, five hours in a week, that in and of itself would create that space for you to just be. I mean, there's so many different things that we can do with our time, but I think you made a couple of interesting points with regards to the, to how to create time. One, you said that your business coach helped you see what was important to your business. And that is, I mean, it is... I don't know, as, as cliche or, or maybe even obvious as it might seem to some of our li listeners, I think the reality is that most photographers don't really have a good idea of kind of the bigger picture, what their business or what they should be striving for in their business. And so clearly understanding what's important to your business will help you then to the second point that you may create a structure, which is also really, really important. And you know, I think a lot of photographers, especially as artist types, hear that word structure and they're like, oh, you know, somebody's oh controlling gosh. me and, and I, there's no <laughs> way I'm not going to do this. But one of the things that I've talked about in the podcast before is is the importance of, of not just having a structure, but that that structure be loose enough that you don't feel kind of micromanaged. So you've got a structure, a general structure for your day in which you can function and like you said, um, can kind of help bring you back on track. But it doesn't mean that you have to break up your day into 15 minute segments and, and kind of go over the top with it. I think there's a nice balance to be had there. Right. And you mentioned having and, and creating time for you to just be one thing that I started this year. Actually, I avoided it for so long, but I had a lot of friends who were into journaling Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, whatever, everybody's doing it. It's probably one of those fad things. And it's just something else for me to like waste my time on. But <laughs> at the end of 2017, uh, I think I saw a post on Facebook and it had prompted the people who were, who were viewing it to reflect on your highlights of the year. And I was trying to think, I'm like, okay, I know I did a lot this year, but <laughs> what did I actually accomplish? Yeah, you know, yeah. trying to think of the top five moments or, you know, whatever the question was. And I couldn't remember. And my friends who journal, they always talk about how, you know, anytime they have like a highlight or they're reflecting on their, their previous weeks, they, they have that documented. And I was like, you know what, maybe I should try this journaling thing. Maybe it's not so bad because I feel like, you know, I should be able to recall like what I actually did this year. And so I started journaling this year. That's like my me time. That's yes. my time to like slow down. I talk fast, but I also think fast and I move fast. And journaling helps me to just like, okay, Latoya, just sit down for an hour and plan out your week. What do you have going on this week? What are the things that you want to be mindful of? Do you want to set an intention? Um, do you want to set, do you want to have a, a theme for the week that you want to follow and be mindful of throughout um, the course of each day? And that's something I do every week. I sit down and I plan out my week. I journal, I reflect on, you know, the previous week, what went well, what I could do better for the next week. Um, every day I uh, write down my, my gratitudes, things that I'm thankful for. Yeah. And it's just been a practice that, again, like you said, you know, as a creative, we don't want to feel bound by the confines of anything. <laughs> but when we, I think it helps us to be more creative and it helps us, it helps our creativity to flourish even more when we, when we have an environment where we can, can prioritize that, that part of our lives. And so, I have really loved starting the journal and and making it a consistent practice that I I, I I journal every day. I look at it every day. I sit I sit down every week and and make sure that um, I kind of I have a good 
clear picture of what's going on. And especially as we talk about time, knowing what I'm going to be doing the next day before I go to sleep, you know, knowing kind of what's on my schedule. It's helpful because when I, when I come into my office and I sit down, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do today? No, I I know what I have to do today. I have a schedule. I'm going to stick to it. And it helps me be so much more productive than I was before. So how long does that, well, actually a couple of questions. First of all, do you use a particular, I mean, I know you said that journaling could almost be construed as, or maybe misconstrued as a fad because it has become a little bit more popular as of late. And you see these various journaling solutions that are out there. Do you use a particular system, A, and then how long do you take each day to, to go about journaling? Uh, so I use a, a blank dotted journal. Nice. So yeah, that was one thing that I wasn't going to compromise on. It's like, okay, I, I know that I need something that works for me. So, and I've had, you know, planners in the past that I've spent all this money on and never use them. And I realized it was because it didn't prioritize what I really needed and the things that I was focusing on. So I use um, just a blank dotted journal and I followed a couple of uh, bullet journal accounts to kind of get an idea of how they set up their journals and how they were using them to be productive. Sure. But I've kind of created my own sort of my own spreads and my own system for how I want things laid out. So on Sundays, it takes me about an hour to kind of set everything up and to, you know, write down what I have to do, like as an overall, as an overall picture of what I have to do each week. Okay. But um, on a day-to-day basis, it probably only takes me like a half a half an hour. I have you know the tasks that I want to set for each day and make sure that you know I'm actively updating if there's anything else I need to follow up on or things that I want to accomplish. But even as I'm just like writing out my gratitudes, that doesn't really take me long at all. So it's a very minimal part of my day-to-day workflow how much time I spend in my journal. Okay. But and it just keeps me on track of, of what's going on. And it helps me to kind of reflect back on what I did accomplish. Yeah. And, and do you do that at, at the beginning of the day, the end of the day, middle, where, whereabouts during the day do you do it? I do it at the beginning of the day. Okay. That, that makes sense. It just as a way to kind of collect your thoughts and then kind of dive in, you, you know exactly what it is that you're going to be spending your time on. And I like that idea. I also, there's something that I've been doing um, or beginning to do, I should say, as of late is in the evenings in order to just kind of wind down uh, from the day uh, is just to turn some music on and read. But I like the idea of maybe adding journaling to that in some way. And so I may have to explore this, this idea. You, you talked about creating your own little layout for your journal. You, you may have a product there that you could sell and I may be your first customer. <laughs> that could be pretty cool. But I, I love this. And, and I love that we started the conversation off with, with this kind of focus on setting time aside each day. And just as a theme, the way that you approach life and business to reflect, to think through how you're spending your time. I think it's really, really important. I appreciate you sharing so much about your perspective on that. Um, let's, let's go a different direction here. Tell us something just totally random that most people don't know about you. Okay. I haven't shared this publicly yet. Okay. I haven't like shared this on Facebook yeah. at all, but I mentioned that I, I went to school for engineering. And so a few years ago, I graduated college and I went straight into working for a Fortune 500 company as an engineer. Okay. And so um, most people who know me know that Latoya, the engineer, and they do know that I do photography as well. Last December, I entered into the world of full-time photography, which is something that I was not expecting. It was not something that I had planned, but photography is now full-time for me. And a lot of people, a lot of my friends and family, they always remark on how I'm able to do you know, have this career as an engineer, be a mom and have a photography business. And I think that's, again, we're, we're kind of getting back to time as well and having like how that, how I've been able to accomplish that. But now I, I, as I'm entering the world of full-time entrepreneurship, it's been a brand new ride for me and it looks a lot different. And I'm, you know, learning how to navigate some of the challenge being a full-time entrepreneur that I yeah. Didn't experience when photography was part time for me. And so we're about, let's see, it's June now, six months in, and I'm still still here. So I'm excited to to announce that. But yeah, that's something that most people don't know about me who, who know me personally. 
And, and that's an interesting transition to think about going from being an engineer to what, it, what most would probably consider an artistic field. Although, yeah. frankly, a lot, of, a lot of running a business is about the numbers and, and the math, uh, as you alluded to earlier. And, um, and in fact, probably a good 80 to 85% of it at least is, is about how we run our business versus the photography itself. But talk to us a little yes. bit about that transition from being an engineer and the mindset that, that is required to be an engineer to becoming an artist, to becoming a photographer? What did that look like? How did you get started in photography? Yeah. So I got started in photography right around Kent's first year. Okay. Lee and I, we, we knew that we wanted to um, capture more of his milestones in his life. We were both first time parents. Uh, this is our first child. He was, Kent was the first grandchild on both sides of the family. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So we wanted to make sure that we were capturing, you know, as many of the, those milestones and in between moments in between our, you know, professional family photos as much as we could. So we bought a DSLR entry level, a Canon Rebel T3. Yes. And, <laughs> and it was supposed to be for both of us, but I kind of hogged the camera. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I wanted to take more pictures of Kent. Um, Lee, he did as well, but he's more interested in like landscapes and like wildlife and okay. that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, so I hogged the camera a little bit. Um, I wanted to learn how to take better pictures because I was, I was honestly one of those Instagram moms who always takes pictures of their kids and these cute outfits and all those sort of things. And Kent was be- uh, beginning to be like a brand rep for these handmade kids shops. And oh, so wow. they, they needed, they needed good photos. So I was like, I need to learn how to take better photos. Cause I want Kent to, you know, represent well yeah, and yeah. have these, these nice photos. So I, I went, I went to YouTube, of course, where everyone goes to learn, start learning anything. I went to YouTube to kind of figure out how to use my camera, how to take better fi- pictures. And so I would practice, practice, practice. We would do it every day because we needed to take pictures for these brands. Um, and then after a while, I had a few friends who were like, Hey, would you mind taking my family pictures or my maternity pictures? And, you know, I did it and I kept getting so many inquiries. And I was like, I, I need to do something with this. Um, and this was all while I was working as, as an engineer. So it was, again, it was, it was more of like a side hobby and then it turned into a side business. Um, but the mindset that you asked about in, in the transition and going from engineering to full-time photography, I think, one of the things that I really love, especially uh, we're, I know we're going to be talking about the queen photographer soon, but one thing that I, I've really embraced as a part of my business is creating systems. Um, it's what's helped me so, so much in, in not only managing my time, but staying sane and, and keeping things together because I, you know, this is, this is new territory for me. A large part of being uh, an engineer is figuring out how these systems work together, mm. how to, you know, basically how all of these moving parts and all these variables, how are you going to put them together to get your desired end result? Yeah. And so I just kind of adopted that same mindset into working on my business, you know, not necessarily the technical shooting aspect of it, which is uh, a part of it, but what are these systems that I'm creating in the background to help my business run? And that's like one of the favorite things I one of my favorite things about my own business and then helping other photographers with their business is helping them create these systems to find like, how do you gain back that time? Because when I was doing my, when I was working full-time as an engineer and photography was only just my part-time gig, I had to rely on them because I didn't have the time to spend on, you know, my business like throughout the day. I had to ensure that you know, when a client reaches out that there is a system in place, there's a process, there's a workflow that they are are put through that works, that helps me, you know, continually to continue to give these clients a, a great experience. And it wasn't something that I had to think about every time. It was it was yes. not necessarily automated, but it was again, it was there was a structure and there was a process. And much of my job as an engineer was all about processes and yeah. improving them. Um, so that's that's one of the key things I've, I've learned or implemented in my transition. Well, and you know what? We could almost stop the podcast right here because it's the, the 
the significance of this idea of systems. Just we don't emphasize it enough here or in the industry in, in general. And, and really, a lot of what drives systems is repetition, right? You come up with a, yeah. we were talking about the idea of structure earlier. You come up with a structure within which you get something done. And once you refine that that structure and that process and the order in which things are done, you now have a system that can be repeated over and over and over again. And so much of our focus here at the Boca Podcast has to do with creating an efficient business so that we have more freedom, more flexibility as entrepreneurs. And I, I just I love the fact that you have taken what you knew from the engineering field and applied that to your business because so much of the success of a business relies on that idea of systems. I think that's just absolutely huge. But I'm also curious, though, on the, on the flip side, as a photographer now and you're establishing a brand and you're learning what it means to run a business, what is your photography business's brand position? How are you setting yourself apart from other photographers in your market? So this is something that I have been paying more closely attention to, especially within the last six months or so, because when I knew that I was going to be relying on my photography business as my main source of income now, uh, I wanted to be sure that I was being more intentional about the audience that I was sharing this messaging to. Yeah. And one of the things I think that has helped me is to really utilize my own personal relationship, um, especially with my husband, as a mirror to how I um, position myself um, as a photographer in the wedding space in my area. And one of the things, um, especially as we talked about earlier, is, is communication, how that's such a huge, huge part of how we're able to remain friends and how we're able to you know, just find those, those pockets in our life that just really uh, promote that genuine connection that all of us really want to feel and, and making that um, manageable, showing what that really looks like, sharing those real stories of, you know, how things aren't always um, as beautiful as they seem in the photos or even the video that you saw. It's, it's not, it's not like that a hundred percent of the time, but there are things that we do to be more um, to be more intentional about getting back to that initial feeling, getting back to how we're able to connect and what are the things that we connect on. And I share that with my audience. Mm. Um, I, sh I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So I talk about it with my Instagram stories and even in the captions of the photos that I share. Uh, and I've gotten a lot, a lot better response. I have been able to connect with people. I think that identify with my brand a lot more or a lot better than, than in the previous years, because I, you know, I guess I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and just trying to share these, share great images, share great images, yeah. but it's less about the images and it's more about the, the message that I'm sharing. Um, and I think people really connect with that. And I definitely don't want to be everyone's photographer, but for those who do value and crave that, uh, that intimate connection, that th that's the, the client that I really want to spend my time with and, and support them and serve them throughout their wedding experience or any other moments and milestones in their life where they want to have photos, uh, with their significant other. Well, and I'm, I know it's a word that we use a lot these days, but the word that I'm, that's coming to mind as you're describing this, that this way that you're communicating with clients or potential clients is transparency. Um, you're yes. being transparent through your Instagram account. You're, you're, you're letting the world at large, or at least the potential client world at large, know who you are. That enables you to more effectively connect with your ideal client. And, and I, I think that's a, a great reminder, again, for our listeners, especially those who are wanting, who are just at the beginning stages of creating a brand. You know, how do I go about communicating who I am and what I'm looking for as a photographer? And that's a really powerful way to go about doing that. What would you say, I mean, six months or so in now, and I know you've been photographing for long, longer than that, but what's the toughest lesson that you've learned as a business owner so far? The transparency piece, of course, <laughs> it, it's hard. It's, it's so, so hard. And especially for me, because I am an Aquarius and Aquarius, we are not, you know, the most, uh, open people at mm. all. We tend to kind of stick to our, our core folks and, and, and stay to ourselves. Yeah. And that's, that's been so hard for me as a business owner is learning how to be transparent. I, 
I made a commitment to myself to be more transparent for myself. But again, it's it just spilled over into my business as so much a part of me and so much a part of what I share in my business. It's, I, I feel like if I didn't share it, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be giving my audience what they deserve and I wouldn't be and what I mean by that is I I would be just sharing words but I wouldn't really be trying to connect with them that if makes that sense. makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so transparency has been the lesson um of my the first at least the first quarter of the year for me is how what do I need to do to feel more free? What do I need to say to be able to kind of break the break these chains of feeling like I have to fit into a mold of every other person yeah. out here. Yep. And that was the thing that dif- that was like the the key differentiator was me just like being able to identify and and operate out of a space of not feeling afraid to be myself, mm. um, not feeling afraid to be myself, but also share what that means and share what that looks like with other people who I don't know. And that's scary. And it's not that I, I, you know, I put all of my personal business out there, (laughs) but, (laughs) but the things that I really value, the things that matter most to me, I don't want to hide that. I want to share that. And for those people who can identify and relate with that, I want them to be drawn to me. Uh, And that's, I can only do that if I'm being transparent. That's that's really really good. I, it's funny too that you mentioned that you don't put all your business out there in in an effort personally for me trying to be more transparent I, because I'm such an all or nothing person. My my initial um, I, I don't know mindset I guess was I just I need to put it all out there. I want to put it all out there, and there's really no need to do that. Not most people no. probably don't want to hear all the the juicy details or all the dirty details. Um, but certainly making sure that you're consistently communicating. What, I, I love the way that you put it. What's important to you um, will naturally draw people in that resonate with those ideas. And especially when we're talking about building a photography business, potential clients that resonate with who you are. And that's so important. And I'll go ahead and mention here too. I, I know I mentioned your website earlier, Latoya, latoyadixon.com. But for those of you listening in, make sure you go to Latoya's Instagram account as well. So you can see what she's talking about. It's Latoya Dixon Photography. And by the way, forgive me, Latoya. I, I said Latoya Dixon earlier. Latoya Dixon Smith is your, your full name. I'm assuming your married name yes. as well. Um, so I wanted yes. to make sure I mentioned that. But talk to us. We're going to kind of go a little bit different direction again here. Talk to us as a, as a relatively new photographer, at least a relatively new full-time photographer. What's a favorite piece of camera gear, whether it's a camera body or a lens, a camera bag, an accessory of some kind that, that you're just really excited about these days? I would say I haven't bought any new gear in a while, actually. And my my camera bag is pretty, I keep it pretty minimal. But my favorite piece of gear is probably my Sigma Art 35 millimeter lens. Yeah. That is like my go-to lens for everything. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a crutch, but it's such a beautiful lens. It's super sharp. I love the composition uh, of this lens and... Yeah, it it never leaves my bag. Anytime I go somewhere, it's the first lens that I that I go to when I'm shooting anything. So definitely the Sigma Art 35. The Sigma, yeah. This is this really has been a theme as of late on the podcast. This has been a, a lens that has popped up, um, <laughs> and and I've seen it online too. So I, I know that it's really popular right now. I'm so curious because I haven't actually photographed with one. I'm very much like you. I'm a minimalist. I'm actually getting ready to launch a photography, uh, a new photography business myself. I shot for about ten oh, awesome. years and stepped away from it, focusing primarily on photographers edit, but. Um, I'm getting back on into the photography side of things. And as I'm kind of building my gear bag, I, I'm likely going to be focusing on prime lenses as well. But that these art lenses sound just absolutely incredible. And, and I'm assuming, too, that the bokeh is, is one of the appealing features of it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> the first photo that I took was uh, I think I got it like right around Christmas time a few years ago. And the first photo I took was of Kent in front of the Christmas tree. Yeah. And of course, you know, the lights behind him just looks so creamy and beautiful. It was just like, oh my gosh, yes, this, this is a great investment. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes as well. So for those of you who are curious and, and may even want to grab a lens, you can refer to that link in the show notes. Uh, yet again, we're going to move in a different direction in the conversation now and really kind of focus on our primary topic for today, which is how to build a photography community. 
And you've created, you, you alluded to it earlier, but you qu- created this community, the Queen Photographers. And again, for those of you listening in, you can go to queenphotographers.com, check out the, the website and the community. But I'd love for you to talk to us first, uh, Latoya, about kind of the impetus behind this community. What was the drive behind creating this this community of photographers? Yes, absolutely. So whenever uh, we bought the our first camera, um, this was we were we were living in upstate New York. Um, we were there for a year. Uh, my job took us up there, and then after the year was over, we came down here to Greenville, South Carolina, where we currently live. And of course, you know, I had been um, playing around with the camera a lot, but I wanted to learn how to take better photos. And I wanted to learn alongside someone, whether it was a mentor, someone I shadowed. I just needed someone to kind of walk this new journey with me. And I found Sierra, who is the co-founder of the Queen Photographers. I, I randomly found her on Instagram and I saw that she was a relatively new photographer. She lived in the same city. And we had a lot of a lot of uh, similar interests. And so I reached out to Sierra on Instagram. I sent her a DM and I was like, hey, I'm new to the area. I'm new to photography. Would you like to meet up and maybe, you know, shoot around and kind of hang out and learn from each other? And she was she was open to it. So that was kind of the the start. It was just wanting to find someone to connect with over a similar interest in, of, of photography and wanting to learn how to, to get better in our skill. And so as Sierra and I uh, started to hang out more and we'd have these, we'd, we'd meet up and we'd go downtown Greenville and do some like street photography. And then we eventually moved to doing our own like mini style shoots where we dress up and do our own makeup and, and, and bring out the the tripod and take photos of each other and of us together. And then we realized like this would be really awesome if we had more women like us who we could connect with and meet with and kind of do these same things. And so what we we found was there were a few other organizations that prioritize and that had communities for, for Black women photographers. And one in particular was Brown Girl with the Camera. Brown Girl with a Camera is led by um, Ruby Melton. She is a good friend of mine. And Ruby had these portfolio building experiences where she would travel to different cities around the country and host uh, like a style shoot. And she'd get models and, and stylists and all the photographers involved. And I reached out to Ruby and I was like, hey, would you mind coming to Greenville, South Carolina and hosting one for us? And she, she obliged. And we hosted her here in Greenville. Um, Sierra and I did. We had about 10 photographers show up to that event. And it was just amazing the experience that we had because we thought we were unicorns. We were, you know, both (laughs) women of color in our city who were photographers. That was unheard of for us. We'd never seen any, you know, we'd never seen other photographers, you know, on a, on a larger scale in our area doing what we did. Sure. And so there were 10 other photographers there and we were like, oh my gosh, we cannot, we cannot let this be the last time that we we meet up or do anything. And so um, I asked Ruby if she'd be interested in coming back to South Carolina. She lives in um, DC. And so she didn't have any plans to have another uh, meetup in Greenville. So Sierra and I, we decided to like start our own Facebook group and invite the women who came out to the meetup, but also just start to look for other uh, women of color in our state. So that was when we started the Queen Photographers of South Carolina. That was really our focus was just finding other women of color photographers in South Carolina. And so we got, we grew our group to about 30 people. And this was after, you know, going on LinkedIn and searching on Facebook and asking other people, Hey, do you know any women of color photographers in the state? Um, and so we grew our, our, our Facebook group to about 30 members. And we thought that was just the most amazing thing. Like we have, we know of 30 other women of color photographers right in our own state. Yeah. And so we started to meet up. We, uh, we started to have workshops. We did like a studio lighting class. We did photo walks in downtown Greenville. We did all these things and, and people started to notice what we were doing especially photographers who were in neighboring cities, um, more in particular in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. Those are probably the the two uh, closest major cities to Greenville. Atlanta is probably like two and a half hours away, depending on what side of Atlanta you're, you're, on, you're in. 
And then Charlotte is about an hour and a half. And so we had photographers in both of those cities ask us, hey, like we would love to do something like that in our city. Like, would you mind, you know, starting something like that here? Could we do that? And that was beyond like what we had envisioned for the Queen Photographers of South Carolina. But we said, you know what? There are other people who want to experience this sort of community and, and this sort of camaraderie with other women of color photographers. Like, let's let's expand. Let's see what happens. And that's kind of where it started to grow. And because we we branched out of just South Carolina, that's when we shortened the name to the Queen Photographers. So, yeah, since then, it's the community has grown tremendously. Our South Carolina group has almost 300 members now. Wow. Again, we. Um, yeah. And we've uh, expanded into Georgia, North Carolina. We have chapters in Houston, a chapter in Houston, um, a chapter um, in D.C. And it's just been growing so rapidly and beyond our wildest imagination. But it's all it's all been rooted in this 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 yearning for a sense of community yeah. among other women like us. And I think what makes it successful and what makes it not just, OK, you look like me why that's important is because being women of color, there is a certain cultural connection that we also experience too, that makes it even deeper than just like our skin color. And I think because we can connect on something other than just what we look like and connect on something other than just, Oh, we're all photographers that there is a cultural aspect to what we do. That has been such a huge part of, of the, um, the growth of the queen photographers. Wow. What a story too. And how long ago did you start the group? Oh, we started, uh, QPSC, I think was about 2015. I believe it was either the end of 2014 or in 2015. Um, and then the queen photographers, we established that in 2016. That's incredible. And, and tell us a little bit about the story behind the, the name of the community as well. Yeah. So as, as women of color and more in particular with black women, we are faced with a lot of different challenges as it relates to kind of um, societal stereotypes. And a few of those are black women are angry. Black women don't get along. They're catty. We don't want to help each other. Just, you know, a lot of negative, a lot of negative things. And there are some really great things too, but um, especially as it relates to a community um, and the part about not being able to be productive as we are are congregating and collaborating, that was something we wanted to ensure that was not something that we we wanted to show that this is not what our group is about. Our group is really about uplifting and empowering each other. I love it through this shared interest. Yeah, and so obviously photographers because we're photographers, but queen. This is that is a word, especially with with black women that we've really embraced because we are Nubian queens like we we are royalty. We are women who, again, who empower each other, who inspire each other. And just those the vibe, the whole vibe that you get from being a queen and that uh, there's just so much power and so much, um, you know, just the idea of being such a, a regal representation of black women is something that we wanted to embody. So that's really where the queen photographers, the name comes from. I love that you were so proactive in addressing an assumption, right? I mean, so much of what is behind detrimental uh, conversation, especially re- regarding racism, but even down to just day-to-day relationships, is it centers around assumptions, right? Or misplaced yeah. assumptions. And the fact that you were so proactive in addressing that with the name, I think is absolutely wonderful. What would you say are one of the biggest struggles or some of the biggest struggles behind creating a new community like this? Well, when you're creating a community, and especially in the way that we did, because we, we just... We at the time we were focused on um, more so on growth and just identifying who these potential community members were. Um, you get you get like a, a mixed um, bag of all different types of people, all types of personalities, all different interests, sure. all different needs. Yeah. And so when you are creating a community that you're when you're trying to serve everyone and you're not really serving anybody, that can be a big struggle. Um, And especially as you're addressing, you know, different challenges, like I said, you know, there is a, there is a misconception or a stereotype 
about Black women not being able to get along. So what happens when you you do experience a situation where, you know, um, members have a disagreement or an argument or something like that? Right. How do you address that in, in a way that is proactive, but also, again, we get back to the core of why we really started. Um, so uh, it hasn't always, you know, I, I say that, but I mean, when I say that, it's it's not something that happens often, but when it does happen, it kind of alarms you. It's like, okay, we got to get back to the root of why we started this. We want to um, be empowering. We want to inspire each other and, and be productive. That was the main thing. But when you have, you know, a large community of, of women, um, especially now in the in the, the thousands, it's hard to be everything for everyone. And you have to be okay with saying, hey, you know, this isn't what we're about. We are glad that you're here, but this is, this is what our focus is. And mm-hmm. if that means that, you know, you decide that this isn't for you or this isn't something you're interested in, we're okay with that. So that was for me, like, you know, you want, you want everyone to, to feel a part of, of the mission and feel a part of the community. But sometimes, you know, that's, that's not enough. And there, there are times when you, you can't be everything for everyone. Um, And that's been one of the struggles or at least one of the lessons that I've, I've learned in building a community. Well, major props to you, first of all, for having the courage to be able to, to just kind of draw a line almost and say, look, this is what we're about. And, and to that point, if you go again, for those of you listening in, make sure you go to queenphotographers.com, just like it sounds on the homepage right there, very simply states community collaboration development. And I mean, you couldn't be clearer. And, and for that matter, simpler. I, I, I'm obsessed with simplicity, especially when it comes to communicating ideas. And you so wonderfully communicated what the community is about. It's about community or connection, collaboration or helping each other, and then development or growth. Um, and, and so it's very easy then in that way to be able to kind of filter out the behavior that doesn't belong and just simply point to what is almost a mission statement. And I think that's really, really powerful. And you've done that so beautifully. What would you say then are the biggest rewards to having a community like this? Oh, my goodness. I would definitely say that celebrating the wins of the members of our community is is the, the the biggest reward that I could even you know imagine? We have in our in our fa- private Facebook group we have Winning Wednesday where we share our wins, and almost like I do whenever I you know take time to reflect in my journal about some of my highlights of my own personal journey. I love hearing the wins of of our queens, and I call them queens because that's what we are. That's that's the name that we've assigned to the community, and that's that's how I address everyone in the community as queens. So whenever queens are sharing their wins, whenever they're sharing, you know, some breakthroughs that they've had, um, whether they're they've they've booked their first client or they've booked their first wedding or they've planned, you know, their first style shoot or they've had, you know, a breakthrough and and figuring out their style or their messaging, or whatever it is, whenever someone shares that, I feel like this was this is what makes being and creating this community so much worth it, so much more worth it. Because as, as any community, you know, if you think about maybe like your neighborhood or uh, a community where you're actually uh, among other people, one of the things that you do in a community is, you know, with the support that you you provide for each other, you, you also celebrate together. Yeah. You think about your family, you know, you celebrate birthdays, you celebrate graduations and, and marriages. And, and we do that, you know, um, we pride ourselves in, in having our online community, but because we also do meetups and workshops and things like that, um, our, our queens in those local chapters, they're able to connect with each other and meet with each other in person and do the same things. Um, I've gone to, I remember when Sierra was leaving, she, she, she since moved out of Greenville and she had like her, her going away party and other queens who have gotten married or expecting children, you know, we celebrate those things together. And so it's not only just the the rewards or the the highlights from how queens are are succeeding in their business, but even the personal highlights and wins too. Yes. That is just that just makes it so much it just makes it feel so much more uh rewarding and worth it to have uh this community that you can celebrate together. 
I love it. I love it. it. It really is so nice to be able to, as you say, not just simply focus on the photography and the business side of things, but just to know that somebody's there to be excited for you when you when you have a personal win. Yeah. That that kind of personal interaction. I, I know, and this is actually a conversation that's popped up in, in one of the local communities, photographer communities as of late. You know, the the I don't even know if I would call it the difference, but the difference between a kind of a traditional networking meeting, which is all, it's very business centric. You know, you're, you're going, you're handing a business card to somebody and hoping that you're going to get business. The contrast between that and a community that isn't just about business, but also about the personal relationships. I, I just don't understand at, at this point in 2018, why that that element would not be included in a local business group or networking group or photographer community that you wouldn't also highlight the personal side of life and encourage each other in the personal side of life. I I think it's so important. I mean, this idea that we're creating a separation between the two, I don't think is really necessary anymore. No, not at all. And and I'm curious too, this is something, it's, it's interesting to me that you, that you brought up the fact that you, when you reached out to Sierra initially, you did so via Instagram through a DM. Um, and it's certainly a platform on multiple levels that, that can benefit our business so greatly, including the ability to be able to more easily communicate with, with people that we don't know. But there's something to be said also for the fact that after you messaged her via Instagram, you got together in person, right? And and I mean, yeah. as you alluded to in our conversation already, so much of this community that you've created has been about getting together, photographing together. And and in this day and age where, you know, digital interaction is is ultimately almost used as an excuse for not getting together in person. How can photographers be more proactive and actually taking the step, getting in their car and going to a coffee shop or going out to photograph with other photographers or going out to eat, actually getting together in person? How how can we do that better? Yeah, I, I what, one thing that I've learned, especially with that interaction that I had with Sierra, is that there are so many opportunities that will present themselves to you once you get out of your own comfort zone and when you start building relationships. Relationships has been the key to the growth of my business. It's been the key to, you know, how I interact with people personally. It just, it's just the, we talk about communication being such a huge part of our lives, but it's the truth. And, and building those relationships is through that, that sort of communication is, is no different. Photographers who want to grow, if you want to, you know, expand in any sort of way, building relationships is the way that you're going to do it. It's honestly, you know, you have to, you have to, to connect with people on a level that's not, you know, just sending a, a like or a DM with someone. Um, people want to get to know you. They want to know that you're part of their community or that they can connect with you on a level that's deeper than um, the fact that you're both business owners or uh, you have a similar interest in photography or, or whatever the, the the case may be. The way that I go about, again, I, I start with, I think because it's so easy, easy is I start with social media. I start with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Instagram is a great way to connect with people. And especially if you are sharing, you know, sharing those stories and, and being a little bit more transparent, it's allowing people to come a little bit closer. Uh, you start commenting on their posts or you start commenting on their Instagram stories or even on Facebook or, or whatever platform it is. The purpose of social media is to be social. And so you leverage that, you know, start those relationships there and then make the invitation to continue that relationship outside of, of social media, because that's, that's, that's where, you know, things really start to happen. When I first had my, my, my first style shoot, I met other uh, vendors here in Greenville, um, makeup artist, Latia Curtis, florist, Anna Stouffer of Urban Petals. Like those are relationships that I still have today that if I just kind of said, oh, okay, you know, I'm just going to follow them on Instagram or I'm just going to continue commenting on their posts. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to um, go to Latia or go to Anna and ask them for the favors that I've asked them for. And not just, you know, to get a favor out of someone, but um, again, it's all about building that relationship where if you want to expand or grow in any sort of way, especially in a, in a, in a community or in a sense where you, you're wanting to, to expand your network, you're going to have to get out of from behind your phone or your computer 
and and meet people. Again, you know, I start those relationships on social media, but then I invite people out to coffee. Even though I don't really drink coffee, I'll always, you know, <laughs> like the easiest thing for yeah. me to say coffee. Or if I know that, you know, they like tacos, I like tacos. Yeah. Like sushi, I like sushi. Like let's let's go have some Heck some yeah. dinner or something. Just find like something a commonality between the two of you yeah. that you can um, share and 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 start to have a conversation. And I'm it may not reflect in this podcast, but I'm an introvert. Like, so I, I really like being home and staying home in the comfort of the peace and quiet that I, that's offered here and not having to like drive out and do other things. But I also know that I love to build relationships with people. And I, I, I love having conversations about things that, you know, again, what we really value, like learning about, things that people really care about, the things that they spend their time sharing with other people about things that they just so deeply, that's so deeply ingrained in who they are. That is so important to me. And again, once you find that that commonality between the two of you, it makes it so much easier to have that conversation. So again, leverage social media to to find out what those commonalities are, but then take the next step and and figure out like how can I get in, in front of this person and talk to them and continue continue that conversation. Yeah, that that's and you beautifully summed that up. So I, I really appreciate you commenting on that idea. If our listeners want to launch a photography community, I mean it seems like a big task, but if they were to if they're interested in launching a photography community in their area, what what are a few ideas that they should keep in mind toward that goal? Yeah. So one of the first things that I learned about launching a community is that you have to be selfless, even though you may find that you you have a particular goal for launching a community, whether it's to, you know, help share the message about a service that you offer or a product that you think will be able to help this community. You have to be selfless, um, not only in your time, but with your experiences, I, with the queen photographers, you know, there are a lot of times where I've had to either come out of pocket to travel to different cities and States to, to attend other meetups like in Atlanta or Charlotte or wherever that I'm able to just being selfless, but not only in your time, but um, sometimes in, in your experiences and sharing, you know, the things that I've learned as I've grown as a photographer or some of the experiences that I think will be helpful for them in their journey, because within a community, people, they, they want to connect. So you have to find that, what is that thing that they want to connect to? Um, so you can't be, you can't be selfish in that regard. Um, another thing is, uh, and I kind of just mentioned it is regularly engage and show up. Um, again, people want to feel like you are, are for them, that you are a part of their tribe, so to speak. And you can't do that. You can't effectively build a community if you don't show up. Again, it's not necessarily that you have to uh, be everywhere in person, but make sure that you're checking in on people, asking them how they're doing, asking them about their family, things that don't necessarily relate to business Sure. Um, to show that you care. Yeah. That means so much more to people. Um, and they will remember, you know, whatever that saying is, people remember how you made them feel. Um, however that that saying goes, but the, it's so true and being there for them whenever, you know, you, they need you most or at least showing up when they least expect it. That has been huge, 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 huge. A part of building a community is making sure that I know people by name. I know the names of their children. I know, you know, what their interests are. And, yeah. and I know, you know, just different parts of their life that otherwise, you know, if there's just some random person off the street. I wouldn't know about them. Just taking the time to learn, uh, engage with them and show up for them. Do you have a trick for remembering names? I, I mean, you've got such a large community to oversee. Do you, how do you keep up with everyone? It's hard, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, again, that's why like whenever I go to events, I'm, I make sure that I know people's names. I take pictures with people, yeah. um, make sure that I tag them. They tag me on Facebook so that, okay, I can associate a face and a name. Yes. Um, but sometimes I just have to ask people, especially if, it, if we're meeting for the first time, please remind me of your name or just try to associate something that I've learned about them with their name. Yeah. Um, especially if they have a unique name, it makes it a lot easier, but just 
figuring out how can I connect with them right then and there and associate something that I've learned about them to their name. That helps me um, remember. I, so much of memory, I think, is just that. So that, I think that's a really, really great tip. Do you have one more big idea that our, that our listeners should keep in mind if they're interested in launching a community? Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, it's being being very flexible in in understanding like how your community is going to serve your audience or how, how you're going to serve your community and your audience. Um, I have a friend who uh, her name is Ola Kimball, and she is a, a pivot coach. And she says one of the things she always tells me is um, marry your vision, but date your strategy. And what she means by that is like when we first started the queen photographers, we really wanted to grow more of like a social network of women of color photographers. And now that strategy and our, our mission is changing a little bit. It's, it's less of finding a way to to connect socially, but also now incorporating, how are we going to really help develop Queens? Um, And more of that development piece is, is what we're working on right now. And so sometimes when you start a community, you have an idea of how you're going to serve it, you know, some of the things that you're going to offer your community. And you may realize, you know, life changes. You go from having a full-time job to working photography full-time and you uh, learn that you're expecting a child. And so there are so many things that could change in your life and how you show up. It may be different, but as long as you remember, you know, your vision for your community may will always stay the same, but the strategy for how you serve will ebb and flow throughout the the life cycle of your business and then your community. So those are the my three things that I would say if anyone is is looking to launch a, a community uh, just to keep in mind. And that's that's really w- wonderful. And I, I want to close with another question. This has been something that's kind of going through my mind as as we're talking. But you know the the. I know the the unfortunate or sad reality is is that I mean you had to create an, a community like this to make space for women of color photographers and and part of that is because maybe the photography industry at large all races all colors hasn't been as inclusive as it should have been and and I'm wondering if you can just kind of briefly comment on how the photography industry as a whole whether it's what photographers are invited to speak at conferences or at trade shows, or, in, or are invited to podcasts, or whatever the case may be. But how can our photography industry be more inclusive to all races, to all colors? Yeah, that's a really great question. And in saying so, I, I really uh, I want to, again, thank you, Nathan, for inviting me here on the Boca podcast. But I would say for the photography industry as a whole, it's just to pay attention because the Queen Photographers is not the only community, not the only business of its kind to really center women of color photographers. Mm-hmm. We just, just we just had a, a different approach than some of the other communities have had. And I think that the work that we're doing is allowing or at least challenging other folks in the industry, whether it's, you know, conferences or podcast hosts to, to take note of, of the, the wonderful things that we are doing in our own communities. But it, it really, I think because, uh, because we, we do have a specific focus and I've had people question me, like, why do you only have a community that prioritizes or that focuses on women of color? Um, and, I, I, I don't like bat my eye a bit for, for doing that. I, I'm not a, I'm not apologizing for having this community because of the impact that we've seen so far. Um, and it's not just in, you know, promoting and uplifting ourselves within our own community, but just in seeing the other communities that have taken notice and that have been challenged because of it. Yeah. It's allowed me to, you know, learn about publications like Catalyst Wedding Company, who, you know, they invited me to come speak at their conference. They feature our queens every week on their blog and, you know, just other business owners who have taken note of just the work that we're doing. So it's just, I would say just, just pay attention because there are people out here doing the work. Um, Tamaya Colvin of Tamaya Colvin Education. Yeah. Um, she's created an entire platform to promote, you know, speakers of color, women speakers, and in even creating a, a new publication that that is focused on uh, photographers of color. So I would say that, you know, whenever, whenever photographers of color 
are are asking your or or at least like mentioning that there is a lack of inclusion and representation in their their body of work or in the services that they provide just listen that's really all that that we ask if there is a a certain community or a certain business that that doesn't sort of they don't acknowledge that there are people of color doing the work and doing just who are just as talented if not more talented than some of the faces that we we currently see or that we see very frequently in this industry that you know it's okay at least for me, I would say it's okay. It's almost kind of how we talk about like positioning. Uh, if I know that there is a brand that doesn't really care to be more inclusive, I just take that as a sign that, you know, that's not for me. But the ones who do, I, I do give my business to. I do um, take the time out to support and, and promote anytime that I have a chance to. But I would say listening for me is is key. It's huge. It's you know, listening looks like, you know, giving someone the platform to speak about what it is, the work that they're doing, featuring photographers, more photographers of color, or at least like diversifying the mix of, of, of who are the people that you're featuring or just, you know, in some sort of way, not tokenizing it, but showing that, you know, you're, or, or at least doing the work and, and, and ensuring that there are more creatives of color that are being heard and that are being celebrated in that space. So that, that would be huge for me. Um, and I would love to see more. It's, it's, it's getting better. I would say definitely getting better. I would love to see even a a greater shift towards that in our industry. Well, I love that you emphasize listening, you know, from listening comes empathy and empathy and understanding. And, what that leads to is is a kind of a minimization of those assumptions that we were talking about earlier, right? Which is is so much of the problem when we're talking about racism or lack of inclusion. And um, so I, I really appreciate you commenting on that, sharing your perspective, not only on that, but just about what it means to create community, what that process looks like. And you, you talked you talked earlier about the importance of regularly engaging with community, but but you mentioned the phrase showing up. And I have to give you major props for just showing up. I mean, there's something to be said for seeing opportunity and and then acting on that opportunity. You did just that. You stepped up. You're leading this incredible community of photographers. And um, so major props to you for that. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast, for sharing all that you've learned. And uh, congratulations on, on the new little one on the way. If, if you guys haven't been to Latoya's Instagram account yet, you need to go check that out because the video is there. And it's a beautiful, beautiful video celebrating uh, this new addition to the family. But, but again, thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast, Latoya. No problem. And I have to, on the video, I have to shout her out. Catherine Ray of Evergreen Era Films is amazing. She did such an incredible job with our video. So I want to to make sure that she gets the credit she deserves for that video. But thank you again, Nathan, so much for inviting me on um, and giving me the space to to talk about um, my own journey in, in my photography business, as well as talking about the queen photographers. I really appreciate it. And I've enjoyed my time um, speaking to the Boca podcast audience. Oh, it's absolutely been my privilege. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come.